1: Number two of the Bruce Hooley Show. Glad to have you along. 94.5 Dayton, 98.9 Columbus. Hope you avail yourself of the podcast. Easy to listen to. Producer Pam boils it down. No commercials, about 20 minutes of content per half hour of airtime. Easy to take with you on a walk or a workout or anything of the sort. We would love to have you. You can also watch the show live if you're so inclined on our Facebook channel. Uh, search the Bruce Hooley Show and you will find it. Tonight is President. Donald Trump's announcement about his future plans. I presume it will be that he's running for president again in 2024. He's getting out in front of the field. He's hoping to scare people off from not joining the chase for the Republican nomination. Not sure it's going to work. I do think Mike Pence will run for sure. Got a book out. That's always a tell. (laughs) Um, And I think Pence is going to be willing in debates and the like to say things about Donald Trump that Trump will have course, attack him for saying, but maybe Mike Pence will serve as the person who attacks Donald Trump and insulates other potential Republican nominees from having to do that and suffering the collateral damage of having Trump come after them. Nobody who's going to seek a nomination Trump wants is going to emerge from seeking that nomination uh, without some tax being levied at them. I mean, Glenn Youngkin's not in the race. Ron DeSantis is not in the race. Not right now. And they're already in Trump's crosshairs. So he's um, his style politically is to, you know, shoot with a Gatling gun, not to aim, <laughs> not to be targeted. He'll give everyone a nickname. His one for DeSantis needs work. It's not one that rolls off the tongue like Little Marco or Low Energy Jeb or Crooked Hillary. But that's Trump's game. And he's going to keep playing it. There's been a lot of analysis after the midterms about why Republicans did poorly. I've offered mine, and it is that Trump did not help in the midterms. He didn't help financially. He's got a lot of money in his coffers, $100 million. He used 15 of it. He could have spent more lavishly on candidates that he recommended, candidates like J.D. Vance and Blake Masters and Adam Laxalt. He didn't. So we'll see where Trump goes tonight with this, and we'll see how it is received. It doesn't really matter how it's received on the left. You know how it's going to be received on the left. It matters how it's going to be received within the Republican Party. Is there going to be any conciliatory tone tonight? It's possible. It's possible. He's never going to convince anyone on the left that he's not the personification of fascism. But just remember, the things that Republicans are accused of election denialism, um, being a dictator. Those are the things Dems are doing, right? Those are the things Democrats are doing. They're the ones trying to end free speech. Notice Elon Musk, great guy when he was making electric cars and helping with the green energy initiative of the Democratic Party. When he buys Twitter and commits to making it a true free speech platform, all of a sudden the President of the United States is talking about, yeah, you know, we might probably need to look at his dealings with foreign governments oh you mean his dealings with ukraine where he made internet service available by giving him satellites so they could communicate on the battlefield so they didn't get wiped out by russians you see that seems like that that elon musk would be a guy that democrats would support no it's the free speech elon musk they're not crazy about so you don't need me to give you any analysis at all to know how this is going to play tonight the democratic reception of trump's remarks is irrelevant it's how it's perceived in the Republican Party, and whether the Republican Party, it's fine to debate now, it's fine to toss salvos back and forth. That's what a primary process is for. But real soon, and I mean very soon, they need to get on message and figure out who they're going to put the thrust of their political power behind because Republicans are not in power right now. And even though they got the House back, it's a very tenuous hold. And as depressing as it is to think that the Biden administration perceives the result of the midterms as approval of what they've been doing, if they win another four-year term in 2024, I'm not sure we're ever going to be able to get to the point where we can block them from doing what they're doing. And I would just add one caution. Be careful about Any effort at the federal level to clean up what looks like a mess that needs cleaning up, and I'm talking about Arizona election counting, California election counting, any effort at the federal level to say, you know, we need to do something about this Arizona situation, this California situation, you do not want to federalize elections in any way, shape, or form. We all thought the Patriot Act was a great idea, right? we got to keep extremists from blowing up our buildings and attacking us. So sure, surveil citizens. Great idea. Never dreaming that two decades later it would be turned against parents going to school board meetings and the like. So be very careful about giving away any kind of state control over anything. I'd rather have two states that are corrupt and inept when it comes to counting votes than to have 50 states that are corrupt and inept because forty-eight of the states don't have any control over how their elections are conducted.
2: Have you seen a uh, recent poll that NBC News is promoting, and it's from September of 2022, so it's a couple months? And I was I was going to ask you, and then I thought, no, I don't want to catch you off guard, but I, I it's interesting that according to this poll, it says that forty-two um, percent of of Republicans embrace the MAGA label. Well, 58 percent disavowed the term uh, described in a new poll. And again, this is this is available on NBC News and something that, you know, it doesn't surprise
1: me. Those numbers don't surprise me. But but see, I was wondering the problem.
2: The problem with that
1: poll Mm -hmm. is that when you say to someone. Are you a MAGA supporter? My answer to that is immediately yes, because to me, that's. I want America to be great again. Make America great. I've said before, I'm about MAGA. I'm not about MATA. I'm not about make America Trump again. Mm -hmm. I'm about making America great again. I'm about America first. America first to me is not Trump. His name's not in there. He could be the guy who created it. He could be the guy who came up with the slogan. Mm -hmm. Whether he borrowed it from somebody else or not is open to interpretation. I, I don't care who invented it. Do I agree with the concept? Yeah, I agree with the concept. But for some people, you can't endorse MAGA without it being a four square embracing of Donald Trump and all right. that goes with Donald Trump. I can embrace Donald Trump's policies, his tax cuts, his foreign, you know, uh, international kind of uh, his craziness, basically like like foreign countries. Vladimir Putin and G are afraid of Trump because they don't know what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and that's useful. That is useful. But it doesn't mean that I embrace everything that he has endorsed or might endorse. So uh, that's where we stand. We won't know more until we see how he. I was
2: just curious whether there was even any numbers out there in, you know, Google land. And I I think I think did a search. uh, I could
1: see where 58 percent would be in the Republican Party. And their their thing might be they might agree with the concept and they might say, but we just need a different message because we can't ever use make America great again or America first without people thinking it's Donald Trump. Trump. Correct. I mean, DeSantis may have his own. Youngkin may have his own. Nikki Haley, Mike Mm -hmm. Pompeo. Tom Cotton says he's not running. That's unfortunate. Uh, What did I see yesterday? Somebody, oh, somebody's saying a Ron DeSantis, oh, it's Trey Gowdy, who I like a lot. Trey Gowdy from South Carolina, former congressman from South Carolina. Now he does uh, Trey Gowdy tonight, I think, on Sunday nights on Fox. Trey Gowdy, smart guy. He says a winning ticket would be Ron DeSantis and Tim Scott. He's a lot higher on Tim Scott than I am. Okay. A lot higher on Tim Scott than I am. But we'll see. We'll see. Uh, it wouldn't su- w- Here would be a shocker tonight if Trump announces that he's got a running mate already. Now, I've said before Trump's running mate is going to be Christy Noem. Mm-hmm. Because when most people answer the question about will you be a vice president, they answer it with, oh, I'm not even on my mind. I got this job and blah, 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 blah. She answers it in a way that you know if she's asked, she's going to do it. Okay. There are those who I think see that. Donald Trump and Tulsi Gabbard. No chance. No chance. Now watch, it'll happen tonight. But when I say no chance, I mean there's no chance they'd get elected. No chance they'd get elected. Republicans are not going to embrace Tulsi Gabbard. She's not pro-life. She's not pro-life. The evangelicals will desert Trump if he picks Tulsi Gabbard. She's a Hindu and she's not pro-life. Okay? So that is not a winning ticket for Trump. Doesn't mean he won't go with it. The reason why evangelicals embraced Donald Trump was because he had Mike Pence, he had Ben Carson, he had people in his he had people who were close to him who you said, well, I know that's a good man, I know that's a good man. So, Donald Trump at this stage, um, he needs that around him. Mm -hmm. He desperately needs that around him. So we'll see how it plays. Uh, What about Joe Biden? He met with Chairman G yesterday, and. Did we get any kind of clarity on uh, COVID, where that came from? Did we have a conversation about uh, fentanyl being made in China and coming across our southern border? I mean, remember how upset the left was when people were... The people are dying! COVID, masks, social distancing, get a booster, get a vaccine. They cared so much about people dying when they were dying on Trump's watch. Now that Biden's in office and he has a chance to sit down with the guy from China, did it come up in conversation? Did Taiwan come up in conversation? We'll see. You might remember during Joe Biden's presidential campaign, the two or three times he came out of his basement, at least, that he promised us that no one would be tough on China like he would. Super tough on China. So, with uh, the fingerprints of the deaths of a million Americans, if not actual proof of those deaths regarding COVID coming from the Wuhan Institute of Virology and Chinese fentanyl streaming across our southern border, uh, it would seem like a priority for Mr. Tough on China to bring these matters up with Chairman Xi Jinping when they sat down for three hours yesterday uh no did not come up did not come up you don't have to take my word for it listen to josh rogan of the washington post that's right i said of the washington post
2: i don't think there were any deliverables and i don't think much was achieved at all and of course the white house told us that there weren't going to be any achievements or deliverables uh, because they realized that the u.s china relationship is at a point where there's not much that they can agree on and not much that the two sides can cooperate on. Now, of course, having the meeting itself is a positive sign that President Biden and President Xi are able to talk to each other about a range of topics. And of course both sides said that they were able to communicate their positions clearly and feel that they were understood by their interlocutors. However, if you just think about it, to talk for three and a half hours and to not find any areas of uh, agreement or progress at all just shows you how far apart the two sides are.
1: Now, Josh Rogan is an honest broker, even though he works for The Washington Post. I listened to him throughout COVID, and he was one of the guys who was pressing for answers and saying right away that the Wuhan Institute of Virology had to be the place where the virus emanated from, not from the wet market. He's gone to great lengths, written a book about it, uh, exposed it on his personal substack. He's done hundreds of interviews about it. Uh, so when he talks about Biden not bringing up COVID and not bringing up fentanyl, he knows what he's talking about because he's dialed in to U.S.-Chinese relations. So you think, well, they spent they spent three hours on Taiwan, right? I mean, China got all upset about Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan. Uh, we want to avoid World War III, right? I mean, with Russia and with China. So certainly Taiwan must have been what they talked about for three hours. Here's Josh Rogan on that.
2: To be clear, there are no us China direct talks about Taiwan, what each side did was present their positions. The U.S. position is that uh, they want we, uh, the United States does not want to see either side, China or Taiwan, unilaterally change the status quo. And China's position is Taiwan is ours and stay out of it. And uh, that's not a negotiation. That's not a discussion. Uh, that's just two sides uh, defining their positions. And increasingly, it seems clear that those positions are at odds with each other now. President Biden was very clear that he is not changing U.S. policy. He he did not repeat his statements that uh, he intends to send U.S. troops to defend Taiwan, statements that he's made four times publicly in the past. Uh, at the same time, it was very clear that Xi Jinping's message was that Taiwan is a core issue to China, that any U, in U.S. interference would be frowned upon. And because the U.S. is not going to stop helping Taiwan and because China is not going to stop being angry about that help, I think the U.S., China tensions over Taiwan are destined to only increase.
1: Now, I know you, like me, are saying, wow, Joe Biden said something and it proved to be empty words about offering military support to Taiwan. You mean when he actually faced down the guy that he's had all this tough talk about, he didn't actually say to his face what he's said in rambling oopsie moments in press conferences? Yeah, that Joe Biden. So... If you want to paint this in the same light that, let's be fair, Donald Trump used to do this kind of stuff, right? He'd meet with Kim Jong-un and he would talk about what a brilliant guy Kim Jong-un was and he'd just flatter this absolute, total, bloodless, bloodthirsty dictator and people would be like, what is he doing? Why is he flattering that guy? If you're thinking, well, that's what Biden's doing. He's just playing nice. He'll actually be tough when time comes and maybe, you know, that. Tensions dropped a bit from this, uh, and that was a worthwhile outgrowth. Josh Rogan, reflecting on that.
2: I think it lowered the temperature, but only for such a short time because the collision course is still set. So you can lower the temperature, but if you're still on the collision course, what good did it really do in the end? And, you know, there's some value in having open lines of communication so that we don't have misunderstanding, because misunderstanding can lead to mistakes and that can lead to conflict. But... The courses that the two countries are on might also lead to conflict. And if we'll, we have to wait and see if Xi Jinping is going to take his third term as uh, president and use it to be nicer and to open up and reform and to play better with the international community, or if he's going to take it the other way and become more aggressive and more reckless. And the pattern of history shows that as totalitarian aggressive dictators get more powerful, they usually get more aggressive and more reckless they usually don't get nicer but i guess we don't know for sure yet but the bottom line is that the temperature is down for the moment but none of the fundamentals have changed
1: now where would you put your money on xi jinping coming to jesus and saying you know how evil i've been to have designs on taking taiwan and wow that fentanyl thing we're doing uh we ought to stop doing that that's a really a nice way to conduct business um I mean, I suppose the long shot pays off from time to time, but I would not put my money on that if I were you. You know why? Because I need every cent that I have to afford gas over Thanksgiving weekend. Have you seen? Thanksgiving gas prices are set to shatter the holiday weekend record, which was set 10 years ago. According to GasBuddy.com, the national average price for a gallon of gasoline over Thanksgiving weekend is projected to be 368 per gallon which is almost 30 cents higher than last year. I thought Joe Biden was doing everything he could to bring gas prices down. And 22 cents more per gallon than the previous record of $3.44 set in 2012. I don't remember what was going on in 2012. Was that Katrina? I have no idea. Maybe it was 10 years ago.
2: Yeah, that was Uh, post-Katrina.
1: Gas Buddy estimates there could be a 20% increase in travel this Thanksgiving season because Americans are just fed up of being locked in their houses over COVID and they can't wait to get back to it and maybe they last year weren't doing the normal Thanksgiving thing so they're going to do it this year. Of the 62% of Americans that say they are not traveling, a third of them say that is due to high gas prices. Yeah. It is becoming... I mean, yesterday I took my girls to school and I needed something from a home improvement store, and I needed something from the grocery store. And I really wanted to get in here to the office and start preparing for the show, but I thought, well, I'm over here, and rather than making a special trip some other time, I'm going to do it right now. I think everybody's thinking in terms of what can I get accomplished while I'm going this direction this time, and that is how high gas prices are. It's forcing all of us to rethink how we live our lives.